0: Well, what I would love to do just um, for the next um, three hours, no, I'm joking, (laughs) 30 minutes, which now seems like a short amount of time, so I did that, Um, is I would love to talk about the character of the prophet, the character of the prophetic person. This is quite niche. This is not something we're going to be taught on um, at Sunday services and gatherings across Scotland on, on Sundays. Um, well it certainly isn't at my church but we kind of felt God lay it on our heart to really go there so this isn't practical this is more principle Um, but we just felt God wanted us to tarry for a while over this and there were some things that he wanted to really speak to us about as a company of people who are seeking to grow in this gifting what does it look like to steward and to carry um, the prophetic well and I think I have this suspicion that God is far more interested in the posture of our hearts towards him than any words we will ever give, ever. Maybe that's just my suspicion, but a few heads are nodding. I'm thinking you might be agreeing with me. God is more interested in the posture of our hearts towards him. Our desire and our willingness to grow more into the likeness of Jesus, to be discipled by him than any words any prophetic words will ever give. And, and scripture tells us that um, spiritual gifts will one day fade away, including prophecy, it will end, but Jesus will not. And so I think that's what I'd really love just to, to go after um, this afternoon. It's very easy, maybe this is just me, but to kind of get swept up in the exhilaration and the excitement of hearing from God and I'm speaking these words and I'm seeing lives transformed. And it suddenly all becomes very much about not about Jesus. Um, And prophecy was never meant to create a culture of jealousy or competition. We're designed to complement, not to compete with each other. And scripture tells us that we are like clay in his hands and he wants to mould us and shape us for his glory, for his name's sake. And so as we... The upside-down amazing thing about the prophetic is that as we let God do that, as we say, yes, God, what you want in me, how you want me to posture myself towards you, as, as we let God in and say yes to him, that actually the words we speak suddenly have greater power and greater authority because it's more of him and less of the fleshly stuff. It's more of him. And um, I've, I've, God's really done a number on me with this stuff. He, he kind of said to me, Hannah, until you nail this, there is a limit to how much my words can achieve through you. Until you really nail nailing your heart to mine on that cross, there is an absolute limit. And um, obviously, we're all still going to be learning this. I, I am not standing up here as a finished article by any stretch of the imagination at all. I am definitely still growing more into the likeness of jesus and um, but I, I wanted to encourage us this afternoon let's uh, look to jesus who here has seen the lion the witch and the wardrobe wow you're all christians How <laughs> <That was> wonderful <laughs> so this wonderful film which is uh, made from the famous book by scissors and um, aslan comes to the children as Father Christmas, and he gives them all gifts. And he says to them, "These are your presents, and they are tools, not toys. The time to use them is perhaps here. Bear them well." Seattle is so sneaky. How he puts these things in his books. Let me read that again. It's almost no how is that? I was going to say it's almost scripture. That's what that's probably a reference to. It's, it's not scripture, okay? These are your presents, and they are tools, not toys. The time to use them is perhaps near. Bear them well, and this is a picture of Lucy receiving the juice of the fire flower. Do you all remember that? Just one drop can heal anything, um, and Father Christmas gives her this gift. Bear them well.
1: Bear them well, and how do we bear the prophetic
0: well? We let Jesus in, and we let him heal the stuff that needs healing, and we let him grow the likeness of himself in us and through us. So how do I bear the prophetic gift? Well, I have, amazingly, three more points, just like this morning. Um, And I want to start with saying, uh, with gentleness and power. We bear the prophetic with gentleness and power. And this is something I've since God's really given me actually as a hallmark of the ministry he's given me, with gentleness and power. And I want to read to us from John 4. Jesus um, talks with a Samaritan woman and and he goes um, to this well um, at noon, which is a ridiculous time to go to a well. Nobody goes to a well at noon, it's way too hot, everyone should be inside having a siesta. And so this woman comes to the well at noon because then she doesn't have to see anybody. She's afraid. She feels rejected. She has even rejected herself to think that she needs to come at this time of day. And he comes to the well. And Jesus says to her, John 4 verse 7, Will you give me a drink? Verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And and the story goes on. And Jesus reveals himself. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. And Jesus goes on to reveal to her more of God's intention about the kingdom. This is a story of a prophetic encounter that Jesus had with a woman who everybody else excluded and he comes with such gentleness and yet also such power. It's the two combined. Um, Jesus wasn't afraid to address the issues in her life. Had done. You have had five husbands, and the man you're living with now. I mean, he doesn't, he's not exactly not <laughs> like mincing his words, is he? Well, let's talk about this pastoral situation that's going on at home. Um, he, he says it how it is. He comes with such gentleness and such tenderness to her. He doesn't shame her, but he teaches her. He lets her into the secrets of the kingdom. This is what the Father is doing. These are the kind of worshippers that the Father is out looking for, those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. He goes on the rest of that whole chapter to teach her and to give her a God perspective. He's envisaging her. And then later on, she goes back and sees her village um, come to know the truth about Jesus. And then this is something that God has really been teaching me. Bearing the prophetic word of God with gentleness and power at the same time. We speak words of life that come from the very resurrection sea of the risen saviour. They have words to overthrow strongholds. They have power to establish the kingdom. And yet, these same words can be uttered with the utter tenderness of a nursing mother's heart and God moves gentleness and power. There's this amazing story that I love, and I was just checking it with Steve before I came up, because um, Angela and Steve have worked with, um, stories from Graham Cook's ministry. They've worked with Graham Cook, and I read it in a book of his, and it's this amazing story um, about gentleness part, and power, and he was asked to go and take some prophetic um, ministry and bring some input to a leadership team of the church in the south of England. And so he's invited on this church leaders weekend, and the, the senior pastor and the elders are all there. And he walks into the room, and immediately he walks into the room. God gives him um, a revelation, a picture, if you were in my seminar with Naomi, and a revelation interpretation application. Gives him a revelation of um, one of the elders stabbing the senior pastor in the back. Great start, thinking, thanks God. You really set me up for this. And so, being the wise man that Grand Cook is, he doesn't just speak out of revelation, he asks God for the interpretation. What does that mean? And what should I do about it? Application. And then he senses from the Lord to set up a prophetic analogy with the team. And so he calls the two men out in front of the rest of the team. And he asks the elder who he saw visually, um, prophetically, stabbing the senior pastor in the back um, to stand back to back with the pastor and he places into his hand um, I think in the story it was a sword but maybe he used an umbrella. I can't imagine they had a sword to hand I don't really know um, and he said God is placing you at this man's back to protect him and the, the man the elder utterly broke down and cried. Now Graham Cook said nothing there to the rest of the group about what he'd seen, the true intentions of the elder's heart and how with his words he was undermining senior pastor. But the elder knew, he knew, he knew that God had seen and he was undone by the kindness of God, not to expose him but to put him in a place to resolve and to recalibrate and to, do you see? It's his kindness that led that man to repentance. And I think the story goes that the elder goes back to Graham over the weekend and said, I just want to have a chat with you and thank you for that. What you didn't know was um, all of this. And Graham was like, Yeah, I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) So, gentleness and power. And that's all about the posture of our heart. Concern yourself with valuing people's honour before God. Gentleness and power. I think God would have us steward the prophetic with love and humanity. That's my second point. Love and humanity. Prophecy must always express the love of the Father. That's its goal, ultimately. Gifts that flow from the love of the Father's heart for the church must always express his love and his grace. When um, I teach prayer ministry at um, the church that I'm a part of, I always say to the team, it's far more important that people coming out for prayer leave feeling loved than they go away with all their problems addressed, prayed through, they've received the healing that they came forward for. Number one priority, they leave knowing that they are loved by their father. And so when we prophesy, it's important that we're asking God, show me your love for this person, and we speak out of that place because we've actually received some of the Father's heart for them. How many of you know it's actually completely impossible to prophesy over somebody that you don't love? Yeah? It's just like a block. I just, I've just tried, believe me, <laughs> and I, I can't do it. So if someone's offended me, and I've not dealt with that offense, and brought it before the Father, and received his love for the person, I ain't got nothing, yeah? it's really important that we ask him, show me your love for this person. And, and that's about humility as well. And lack of humility has been, and you all know this, I'm speaking through a lot of elders in this room, lack of humility has been a major problem in the history of the prophetic in Scotland. And the truth is it's not about us, it's about Jesus and it's about his love and speaking his words from that place. And then... What we've done is that um, we've. Uh, if it's His word and we are the messengers, what we've said is: it's His word, and I'm just a messenger. So don't really listen to me because I'm going to get annoyed with those words. It's his word, but I'm just a messenger. And it's a kind of worm view. I have nothing to give in any of this. So on the one hand, it's his word, and I'm just a messenger. Or on the other side of the equation, it's his word, and I'm going to stand here and give it to you, and you will receive it. Do you see what I mean? It's an exaggerated confidence that isn't really humility. Humility is being prepared to see yourself exactly as how God sees you. And that's the character of the prophet an honest confidence in being who god made you to be and that's some of the stuff i've really had to grapple with this last year learning what it is as a prophetic person to come into the council of the lord and lay down my own agendas so all the things that i would bring into the presence of god the placards that i would hold up god deal with this it would be a good idea if you spoke to me about this or, oh, this person really needs a word. <laughs> but just coming into God's presence and saying, God, what do you want? Laying down my agenda and coming into the council of the Lord. So, love and humility. I think that's how we carry the prophetic well. And then my last one is um, with holiness. And we don't really talk about that very much and it maybe sounds a little bit old school, but God has done a complete number on me over holiness. And uh, he spoke to me about a year and a half ago and I felt that God has given me a word um, for a generation of young people in our nation who he calls a Nathaniel generation. And uh, really God spoke to me from John one when, you know when Jesus goes to Nathaniel under the tree and he says, this is a truth like There is no guile in him. There is no turning in him. There is no deceit in him. He is pure-hearted. He is single-minded about the things of God. And I see what I sense is that God is raising up a Nathanael generation of purity and wholeness, young men and women who will be single-minded in their pursuit of God. And I sense that's particularly important for prophetic people who would steward the gift well. Purity and holiness. Prophetic people are like, you know like those um, games that you used to play in the water park where there's like a really long pipe and you had to try and put your fingers over all the different holes when you filled it up with water and it was always slightly hilarious and someone let go and everybody got soaked. Are you with me? No one's with me, okay, I'll move on. <laughs> So prophetic people are like water jugs, that's what I'm saying, or or drain pipes through which God's revelation flows and perhaps more consistently than others needs to be constantly checked for blockages. Because we want his revelation to flow unhindered. And I'm not necessarily talking about big chunky blocks in the drain pipe that are like big sinful practices because I I can't imagine there are many of those here today. I'm talking about the things that can just sneak in unnoticed and build up and suddenly we realise we've got a bit of a problem on our hands attitudes, thoughts, patterns of behaviour that sneak in and undermine the flow of God's revelation through us and God calls us to holiness he calls us to himself and he would have us walk differently and for some of you, you've been doing that for ages and it's been really hard and I just sense today God would encourage you, come on Keep walking. Keep walking. This is what he has for you. And then, as I was just reflecting on how, I mean, that's all very well and good, but practically how now, like, how do I keep walking in holiness? Um, I think we keep walking in holiness by walking with other people. We need other people. Every prophetic person needs a faith community to help them walk with Jesus. Just because we hear from God more readily or easily than perhaps our friends, or people in our church, or even our church leaders, doesn't mean that we don't need them. Perhaps it means that we need them more than anybody else does. Because we need their support and their encouragement and they're pointing us to Jesus. They're helping us to keep the main thing, the main thing. I really need my husband, to point you to Jesus. My husband is not prophetic by any stretch of the imagination, by his own admission. He hears from God because he's a child of God and God loves him, uh, but he doesn't carry the prophetic gift. He's slightly more apostolic. And I kid you not, his last prophetic word to someone went something like this. How many of you know, um, Fu Panda? Do you know that film? Yeah? Slightly overweight, chubby panda, saves the day. Okay? His last prophetic word to somebody went something like this. Um, Rowena. I just have the image of kung from Panda in my head and um, he's just a bit fat and overweight but I just sense that it because he persevered and uh, literally I was dying in the corner. I was like, if nothing else that's going to serve for a great illustration one day, honey. Let's have a chat about that, how you might phrase that differently. Um, But I need my husband because he tells me when I'm being a nunty, and when I'm not following Jesus, and he challenges my attitude, he challenges my pattern of behavior, he tells me things how it is, and we need those people, those prophetic people, if we're gonna steward this gift well. So can I encourage you to think about the framework of people around your life? Who are you really accountable to? Who is really challenging you? Who's gonna eyeball you and say, that's not God's best for your life? Because you you need those people if you want to walk with holiness. Okay, those are my three things. I I wanted to just just, um, spend a little bit of time thinking about what stops us stewarding prophecy in this way. Because it's all very well and good having these three complete ideals, thinking, great, I want to do that gentleness and power, love and humility, holiness. I'm up for all of those things. Um, But what are the things that that stop us carrying prophecy in this way? And um, the things I'm going to share, hands up, are all things that I've grappled with, okay? They're all things that I've worked through. And there are a few pitfalls in my experience of bleeding prophetic people that we all easily will fall into. These are just our vices, and it's good for us to be able to spot them. So the first one is fear. Fear stops us stewarding prophecy in this way. Fear of getting it wrong. Fear has really stopped me in the past from stepping out and just having a go. It's made me keep my mouth shut. Are you with me? Anyone? Anyone else struggle with that? Yeah, nearly everybody. Yeah. And it's like I so want to honour people, I so want to love people well, but I'm just afraid of messing it up. I'm afraid of having a go. But actually, we're just learning. And if we offer our words in such a way that we give them the wriggle room to weigh it and test it themselves, which is their responsibility, um, then we're doing well. God has grace for that. I remember one of the first prophetic words that I think God gave me. Um, I was on a train um, from Edinburgh to Liverpool to visit my then boyfriend, now husband. We were doing long distance for three years. It was awful. Well, I mean, we got married, it couldn't have been that bad, but. <laughs> and so I was on this train, and I felt God say to me, there's a woman who's going to come and sit next to you at the next station, and um, I want you to tell her that her baby is going to be okay. And I was like, no, I am not saying that. <laughs> he was like, no, yes, you are. I was like, no, I'm not. And this lady got on and sat next to me, and for an entire journey from Wigan Northwestern to whatever the next stop is, I forget, I didn't say a word, and she got off the train. And I have remembered her for the last six years, because I didn't step out. Now, at the time, I probably didn't actually have the training or the experience to know how to handle a word about a baby, which is actually quite a... We talk more about that in more advancing prophetic training, um, But I still remember her because the fear of getting it wrong stopped me from stepping out and having a go. And I always still think of her. So let me encourage you, step out and have a go. And fear, I think, also contributes to people pleasing. And we might not articulate it quite that way, but we've probably all given someone a word that we've dressed up or embellished or exaggerated because we wanted them to like us. Or we wanted our word to look good, or some other thing, and um, that really inhibits the flow of God's revelation through you, um, because it becomes something other than 100% God's agenda. It becomes something of us. It gets filtered with our agendas. And you might have had very honourable intentions. You might really have loved the person. Um, but it's a very common mistake in stepping out in the prophetic, and I've definitely done that. And that's just where language really begins to matter, and, and um, it becomes a discipline to say only that which God gives us. So fear, I think that stops us. And God doesn't, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. What does He give us? A spirit of yeah, yeah. So, let's step into that. Pride. Pride is another form of fear. And this one is one of those ones that is a bit like, ouch, is that really me? This is definitely an ouch sticking classy. You know, when you pull them off and they kind of smart. Um, Pride, I think, is another form of fear. It stops us um, stepping into God's love. When we are too proud to learn to be challenged, to accept other people's wisdom, to allow our words to be sifted, to receive help with our revelation. Um, pride means that we miss out on sharing God's gentleness and love because we so want to have it all sorted that we don't let God into the vulnerability of our learning. Pride really holds us back. It means that we miss a small things. Sometimes the most prophetic thing you can do is give somebody a hug, but how can we truly do that and embrace somebody? If it's filtered with the pridefulness of your own heart, I have this sorted, and you don't. How can we do that? But one of the most prophetic things that someone ever did for me was give me a hug. It was amazing. This lady called Pam and some of you will know her, just embraced me like a mother, <laughs> and and there was no none of her own agenda in the way that she did that. It was completely God. And why? Because she dealt with her pride. And she dealt with her fear, and she was just 100% giving of herself to God, to me. Does that make sense? And pride stops us learning because we assume that we have everything that we need already. And the truth is that everybody is going to be learning forever. And, and that's okay. And then perhaps we get pride because we've been misunderstood or hurt. there have been situations that have really got to us and they've not been our fault. Um, but it's what we do with it. And can I just encourage you that if you know there's even a little bit of that, then if you need healing, ask God for healing. You don't have to carry pride. That's not his best for you. Lay it down. He doesn't, he doesn't want it for you. Pride limitations is the next one we can put limitations on god and then perhaps that's because of situations we find ourselves in in the past circumstances that we've walked through we can assume that god can't speak into this particular situation or this kind of person because he didn't for us or he didn't for someone that we loved that's that's often actually really difficult i've definitely struggled with that Um, but it means that we put limitations on god And I don't think God would have us steward the prophetic in that way. God can do anything that he wants. Identity, which is, wow, a massive one. Identity stops us stewarding the prophetic in this way. When our identity becomes wrapped up in being the prophetic person in your church, and it can happen so easily. If people look to you in church and they're like, oh, well, she's the one who hears from God. And it's very easy for that to become your identity, other than actually primarily, I'm just a daughter of the king. I'm just a disciple. And then God really had to teach me this when I um, was forced to go on maternity leave, when I had my little boy who is now too. And suddenly, out of a position of responsibility and leadership, I was essentially nothing. And uh, uh, that there's, there's, I means a lot to unpack, That I was not nothing. I was a mother. Just amazing. But God had to really take me back to basics on a lot of things when my identity had become what I was doing rather than I was just a disciple whom he loved and that was always going to be more than enough for him, regardless of anything else that he called me to. And then the last one that I think keeps us um, from studying the prophetic well is isolation, a lack of community, which means that we don't get encouraged ourselves to walk with Jesus. Or perhaps you've come today from um, a church on your own um, where you're really just trying to be faithful with what you know God's called you to, the vision that he's given you for the prophetic, but it's just hard yards and you feel quite isolated in the prophetic on your own. And and Stephen and Angela and I hope that this gathering will go some way in providing a context of like-minded people um, who will encourage you we will speak strengthening into you, um, and we'll send you back out to those contexts um, to weigh and to discern prophecy together. But I would encourage you that every prophetic person needs to be in a faith community. We need a local church context, and we need accountability. We're not meant to be isolated. We're not meant to sit on the fringes. And if that's been your experience because of your church leadership situation, then I- I just want to apologize to you and say, I'm so sorry, that that has been your experience. And I think God's doing something where he's bringing prophetic people back from the fringes into the center. And it's like the, the prophetic and the apostolic together and he's restoring the place of the prophetic people in the church. And so don't, don't put yourself on the fringes is I think what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah a lot of that was quite hard-hitting so I hope you've stuck with me um, Stephen's going to come and just share a little bit of testimony off the back of that and then we're going to move into some ministry time together
2: I heard John Arnott at it's a leadership conference we attended over there some years ago speaking to leaders he said whatever you do get healed and I think that has to be equally true for us as prophetic people. Um, and their understanding this is a continual thing. It's not you know, a one thing. It's a continual thing. Um, in I think it was May 1994 I went over with uh, uh, to the USA onto the west coast in Oregon at a very well-known big church over there uh, to a leadership school and they were talking about there's some pretty high level stuff and understanding moves of God and they commented on what they called at that time the laughing revival and what they said was yeah, we think it's God but um, we know what we're doing so I thought, okay now that's the first time I'd ever heard anything about that and what was happening in Toronto I think they didn't even specifically mention Toronto Um, so I was kind of puzzled by it and um, anyway, eventually you get to know Toronto. Uh, what the Lord was doing. Now we in in the north where we lived in Thurso, many of us have been praying very strongly for a move of the Holy Spirit. Then you start to hear things happening over in Canada, and our reaction was, "Well, that's not new." And we we actually got offended. We thought, "Well, the flesh can do all of that." but we got offended. And that's actually a big trap from the enemy, is to get offended. I think it's a distinct trap for the prophetic people in Scotland. Different ways he will cause us to get offended with one another, with the church, with the government, with this, with that. It's a trap of the enemy. You know, John Bevere speaks into that. Um, anyway, uh, somebody came to share uh, with us in some meetings and was telling how the Lord had been impacted him, in this person and he had also been offended but eventually came to the place where the Lord worked on him strongly and he had to soften his heart and, and we were sort of sharing over a couple of hours but the Holy Spirit said to me, what have you been praying for f- fervently for the last several years he says, you know, move of the Holy Spirit and he said would you like one and I kind of went and I understood that you have to come in low to a move of God. And so we made space for the Holy Spirit to move and, and, and then we, you know, in time we went over to Toronto and we, you know, we, and we learned to soak and we found that the Lord was doing works in our hearts. So going back to this church in the USA where I did the leadership school, I heard a testimony of... Um, One of the senior leaders, in in the light of what I'd heard him say in private in this school, he was now giving testimony of when he went to Toronto. And he went the same, he went very dubious and he went very tense and not sure about this kind of thing. But I'll give it a try. And so, uh, come the ministry time, the first day of receiving prayer, and he said, I don't think much of that. And then the second day, he received prayer. I don't think much of that. Nothing's happening to me. The third day, this little Indian lady. Um, I'm guessing she was Indian, Indian rather than Red Indian, but anyway, no, doesn't really matter. Uh, she, she was praying for him, and it's. It, he said, it was like she read my mail, <laughs> and something in him broke, and it was broken before the Lord and the Lord starts to take him to a new place and really this has been kind of the testimony of many people it's been our testimony is the Lord needs to find that way into our heart to take us to a new place we have to give room for the Holy Spirit but he likes to go deep and it's not necessarily an instant journey so we you know the in Toronto and many places that have adopted this practice, you know, encourage people to soak in the Holy Spirit, spend time before the Lord, spend time breathing in the Holy Spirit, letting Him sift the heart, woo the heart, heal the heart. Um, after we you know been pressing into the Spirit, because I, I realized, you know, I was born again in my late teens and filled with the Holy Spirit. But I realized by that point, my wineskin had gone stiff. It was really stiff. And I thought, well, the only way is to keep soaking. And that's what they do with the wineskins, isn't it? To freshen them up. They just soak them in oil for a long period of time. I thought, the only way I'm going to move to a new dimension is just press in to what God is releasing. So we made a practice of doing that. And when there was opportunity for receiving ministry prayer, we would do so and we'd spend time before the Lord. Whether or not there was... Anything specific happening, and you know, my testimony, my wife's testimony, is over time the Lord radically changed and softened our hearts, gave us a completely different perspective on things. And then, what became amazing was like (coughs) we were just saying innocuous things in conversation, and it was like just revelatory, amazing. Just seemed to have an, an amazing revelatory content, and you think. You know, you're just praying for somebody and it's like, how did you know that? And it's just the prophetic was a byproduct. And really, this is true the prophetic is a byproduct, the prophetic gift is a byproduct of us walking with Jesus. And then we have to steward it, obviously. So we need to be healed. And sometimes, you know, the Lord's on more than one occasion taken us through some very deep times. Protracted times over some years where the lord 's been really doing some deep things, and these have not always been easy and I think for prophetic people it 's we we need to we could say let the Lord take us through these journeys. What was amazing, even though we were sort of being taken to the limit on the other hand, the love of God would just keep coming and coming and coming and impacting us time and time and time again and those two things together really moved us to a different place in the Lord. Um, You see, we're releasing things prophetically into people's lives which build their destiny, which change their lives, which open up new things in God. But they will have to go through transformative processes to enter into the fullness of it. And if if we don't go there first... We really have no authority to speak, but if we if we understand that when we're releasing a destiny word to somebody, this you know, then they may go through some deep valleys before they reach the mountain top. We need to have that wisdom it, you know it's right there in scripture is the pattern is always there then we can release a word with great tenderness and grace and help them as much as we can in that process we're not just doing it cold and impersonally or sensationally but we're doing it with reality But giving them something which is absolutely wonderfully from heaven coming for them so get healed get healed we all have our knack personal things we go through. We all have our cultural things we just take in and we don't really know we're there. I, I, my conclusion is, as in this Western world, we do not know how damaged we are. We really don't. So we want to facilitate a time of soaking and waiting on the Lord in the Holy Spirit. And let's just invite the Lord. Just come and do my heart good. Jesus, put your sweetness in there. So Hannah's just going to lead us in and I will just see how it plays out how we actually track through this.
1: We're
0: going to do something quite practical to help us respond to God together. i found that when you kind of step out of where you're actually sitting and do something in response, it helps because our bodies are mirror what we want God to do with our hearts, which is move us on. And um, so what what I've got here is a number of post-it notes. And what I'd like you to do, we're going to bring a whiteboard Yeah, I'm just going to move Liv just over there, if that's okay. Um, And then I'd love you to ask this question, which Nicole just put up on the screen. As you embrace being a prophetic person of character and integrity, what are you leaving behind? And what are you taking forward today? So what is it that you sense God saying? It's just that he's put his finger on something. Really, he does it with such love, such kindness, and just saying this... Would you just let me help you with this? This doesn't need to be here anymore. What are you leaving behind? And then what are you taking forward today? Because God doesn't just do that, not leave you with a good, he always speaks a good. What is he asking you to take forward today? What's his encouragement to you? Where would he have you step out? what, What is his word? To you and i'd love it if, if there's just a sign before god that yes i'm going to step into and out of those things if you just came and wrote on one post-it the thing that you're leaving behind and then on another post-it what are you taking forward um, we're going to use both sides of the whiteboard and just as a kind of collective response and um, to come up and stick them on the board and sort of sort of lay yourself out before god basically um, and Olivia's going to come and just sing over us as we do that. So take your time, there's no rush. Um, as Liv sings over us, take the time to sit and ask God, what are those things? Um, and Liv, why don't you come? And I'm just going to pray for us um, as we move into this time together. Holy Spirit, we, um, we do just welcome you, and we, we welcome your love and your healing, and we ask, Lord, that you would come and you would do work amongst us to move us on and to make us look more like Jesus. Thank you that your grace finds us just where we are, but you love us too much to leave us in that place. So I just pray for my brothers and sisters that you would speak with your gentleness and your kindness and your power to show them the things that are not your best that you would have them lay down today. And Father, I thank you that you're so good. You're You're so full of goodness that you also have the best to speak for them to take forward. So we just receive that just now.